Hello and welcome to the Shakespeare Birthday Party. I'm Danny Fitzpatrick. And I'm Grace Fitzpatrick. And in this podcast, we will be reading all of William Shakespeare's plays in a year, beginning today on his birthday. So just a little bit about us. Uh, I grew up in New Orleans and studied philosophy at the University of Dallas. I now live in Hot Springs, Arkansas, uh, where I work as a novelist and poet. Uh, My most recent project was a new translation of Dante's Divine Comedy, which is out this year in honor of the 700th anniversary of Dante's death. I'm Grace, and I'm your wife. (laughs) That is true. Hello. (laughs) Don't sound too excited about it. (laughs) I'm a fellow Shakespeare lover. And my main role is uh, the as the interlocutor for this podcast. So, very excited about that. Yes, it is very exciting. <laughs> so, um, it's Shakespeare's birthday. Uh, why is it worth exploring Shakespeare again today? Uh, obviously, there are a lot of a lot of podcasts out there already about Shakespeare, uh, tons of reproductions of his plays, lots of assigned reading in the high school classroom. Uh, But obviously this is a podcast that's more about just our own appreciation of Shakespeare. Um, So why is it something that that for you is worth worth coming back to again and again? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I know kind of like my gut reaction is just when I think about Shakespeare, I kind of group him with someone like Mozart. Um, and I know I was reading an article, like an interview with Benedict the Sixteenth from a long time ago where Benedict says something along the lines of how he loves Mozart because he, his music can kind of transcend the entire human experience, particularly that of tragedy. And, uh, I think Shakespeare is kind of like the Mozart of words in that regard. And that's, uh, just eternally, valuable for each individual person as well as you know something that that binds us uh the plays are are, is something that binds us um yeah for sure yeah i think uh it's really cool when you look at someone like mozart and it's just amazing to see the kind of vast body of work that he produced um kind of a similar thing with shakespeare so i was looking yesterday online according to one website which may or not may or may not be accurate. Um, Shakespeare used something like like thirty one thousand six hundred fifty four words, um, in his written works, um, and statistically he probably knew another thirty five thousand or so, <laughs> whereas most people, according to the same website, only know somewhere between ten to twenty thousand words. Mm. Um, so Shakespeare had at his disposal, you know, something like three to six times as many words as the normal person does. Um, I mean, he used half as many words as are in most dictionaries. Um, So there's something just really amazing about the way that he presses on language. Um, I think especially at the time he was writing, he was kind of writing at a time when, when the language was much less fixed than maybe it is now. And so much of the way that the language is fixed was fixed by him. Um, so like even to use certain words now is to have Shakespeare kind of looming over your back. So even to use, like if someone writes the word multitudinous, 
Um, it's hard to read that and not hear multitudinous seas incarnadine, uh, like from Macbeth. Um, so he, he really has this incredible influence over our language, over the way we talk, the way we think, um, and just kind of the way that, uh, the way that we function as, as human beings today. Hmm. Um, that being said, uh, and of course he's, he's still very prevalent, like, uh, I mean, everybody knows lines from the plays, you know, like to be or not to be, uh, there's so much of Shakespeare that remains familiar. Um, there's also something that seems to be very scary about Shakespeare. Um, even from the fact that we have like no fear Shakespeare guides, there seems to be kind of ingrained in us a thought that, that Shakespeare is somehow something kind of scary. Um, why do you think that, that Shakespeare is kind of difficult for people today? Well, I think you've hit on a big stumbling block that just the average person kind of comes across. The language definitely feels a lot different from everyday conversation. Um, and I think a lot of times people have their first Shakespeare experience in the classroom reading one of the plays. And it's very different. It's a very different experience from seeing a play performed. And I think, I don't know, kind of like reading a text message versus having a face-to-face -face conversation with someone, you definitely miss a lot um, just reading something, especially if you don't entirely, you're not entirely sure what's going on <laughs> in the language itself. But when you have, um, you know, people's facial expressions and gestures and the tone of voice, you know, you can tell like, oh, this is actually a joke or this is actually something that's really scary happening in the story. So those are just like a lot of just very kind of like primal human things that help us understand what's going on in the story if we're not entirely sure what's going on with the language at that moment. And the language, you know, it's it's kind of like riding a bicycle. You know, the more you're you're exposing yourself to it, the more that you're reading, the more the easier it becomes to understand. And I think, you know, maybe sometimes with a lot of things we just give up too easily. Um and that, you know, I get that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's something um like that element of performance is really important in terms of understanding Shakespeare overall. Um, something that's come up in a lot of the discussions about Dante um, is that you know both Dante and Shakespeare in their way uh, really reached and molded the the popular audiences of their day um, so so Dante you know he wrote in the vernacular of course rather than than in Latin um, and from a very early point in his uh, you know, in the publication of the Divine Comedy, you know, there's a very big uh, body of uh, peasants and e even Ill just illiterate people who who were able to recite very lengthy passages of the comedy. Um, there's, I think there's a butcher in Florence today um, who who knows the entire comedy by heart. <laughs> um, and he, and he, this guy, I think his name is Dario Cecchini, says that you know, that's, that's been a big part of the Dante tradition is just people knowing the poem and having it very close to their everyday experience of life. Um, Shakespeare, to me, seems a little different in that I think his language is a little bit more difficult maybe than, than Dante's. Um, but I think there's that element of performance that's so key. Uh, my, expect, my 
sort of gut sense is that if most people who were kind of in the in the peanut gallery in the Globe Theater in Shakespeare's day would have been handed a manuscript, they wouldn't have had as much of a sense of what was going on uh, as they would in just seeing the plays performed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think that element of performance that you mentioned is so key uh, to understanding Shakespeare. Um, yeah. Um, anything else you want to add on that? Uh, no, I think that's a pretty good general general introduction. Okay. Yeah. Very good. You? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just there's so much that can be said about Shakespeare. Of course, some of that's kind of cool. I, I guess one other thing is uh, there's this sense in Shakespeare that he doesn't, he maybe doesn't even really care that much about the writing. Um, like he cares about it, but, uh, and maybe to give a little broader context for, for what I'm thinking, um, one of my teachers, uh, Harry Clifton, the Irish poet, um, said that he made a comment kind of offhand one time that, you know, so many people today, like, like they who are writing, there's this tremendous drive to be published and for, for as many people as possible to read your work. Um, and there's this kind of attitude with Shakespeare of like, the guy couldn't care less, like whether people today are reading his work or anything like that. <laughs> um, and I think that does kind of come, that does kind of ring true, especially when we think about, you know, his kind of just retiring, uh, from the theater scene toward the end of his life and just kind of stopping writing, uh, even before his death. Um, but yeah, so we'll, we'll continue of course, to discuss him, to discuss the plays as we get more and more, uh, into the work. Um, we're going to be beginning next week with the Tempest. Um, and I think our basic plan is to devote one episode to each of Shakespeare's plays. Um, and we're going to try to keep it pretty simple. So basically for each one, we'll try to provide a concise summary of the play. Um, and then I think each of us will bring up a couple of the sort of big questions that Shakespeare addresses in the play. Um, and then look at uh, some of our favorite maybe poetic elements um, in, in, in the plays. Um, and then kind of try to leave it at that, uh, just so that we get kind of a kind of a snapshot of each play, maybe a starting point for further discussion and conversation. Uh, and then over the course of the year, I think we're hoping to have some some special guest uh, speakers, some you know some Shakespeare experts, some uh, poets, playwrights, uh, and other ne'er do wells to <laughs> share with us some of their experience and expertise on Shakespeare. Um, so yeah, that should be it. It should be a fun year. Uh, again, mainly this is just for us to finally go through all of the plays and talk about them. And uh, hopefully some of you join in and enjoy the experience as well. Great. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs>